Welcome back, everybody, to Uncensored CMO. If you follow advertising agencies and uh, who's hot at the moment, you'll almost certainly have come across Uncommon, who uh, I think it's fair to say pretty much live up to their name. And I'm really pleased today to be joined by one of the founding partners of Uncommon, Lucy Jameson. I wanted to find out what they've been up to over the last few weeks and uh, why they launched some of their own brands as well. You might have seen uh, some candles and colouring in books uh, hit the market recently. But I also asked Lucy for some advice for brands and I asked her for what would be the one thing she would uh, advise brands to do right now. And being the very generous person she is, she gave me three. So uh, absolute quality conversation, this one. Um, loads of really uh, useful nuggets and insights. So uh, you'll enjoy it. Here's Lucy Jameson. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, nice to be with you. Thank you for joining us and thank you for taking the time. I, I must ask, um, given we're all kind of in lockdown and crisis, so how are you? How are you getting on? You know what? I think there's sort of two or three experiences of lockdown, aren't there? But my experience is quite nice. I'm with my family, getting to see more of my daughter. We're working ferociously hard. Um, but that is a, that's a good deal compared to a lot of people. So, yeah, it's all good. Brilliant. And, and obviously you're, you're quite, a, well, I'd say a new agency, obviously probably two and a half years now, but, but a, a rapidly growing one. How, how have you managed to adapt to the new way of working? And I imagine your clients are, are in a tough position as well. How have you adapted as an agency over the last few weeks? Um, well, we flipped to remote working, I think maybe 10 days before the government advice. And, you know, we're lucky in a sense. We were set up with quite a flexible model to begin with. Um, we're pretty good on all the tech stuff. So it was a pretty immediate flip over to kind of Zoom and Slack and remote working. And, you know, we were set up that way. And I think in our nature, we like doing stuff fast. That's always been something we've been into. Um, and actually this in a lot of ways plays into our favor. So um, we turned around, uh, I mean, I think we turned around the ITV work with Anton Deck in something like five days. Um, so it was full on, but it's doable. Yeah. Oh, that's phenomenal, isn't it? That's just amazing. And, wh and what, do, what are you seeing in terms of your clients and their businesses at the moment? I mean, it's a complete spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at one end of the spectrum, you've got ITV who have got a lot more viewing, but are having a nightmare with um, the amount of advertisers spending. So TV is cheaper than it's ever been before right through to clients who are just kind of ticking over and doing fine and through to clients who are non-essential retailers like for example dreams who have had real problems even being able to deliver beds in a socially distant way you just can't really do it but we've had the whole spectrum i think um yeah so we've seen it all i'd say and are you are you seeing lots of new briefs because are people trying to respond differently in this crisis or, or are you seeing people kind of continue as they were from before? Um, so I think we I think there was almost like a first phase, which was crisis mode. Um, and then, you know, instantly we advised Brewdog to do their flip their business into san sanitizers. Um, and we started working with. Well, we carried on working with ITV, but recommended they brought back their Britain Get Talking campaign, which is about mental health. So those were kind of two which were almost immediate crisis response. And I think now we're starting to see, you know, more campaigns where I think people are wanting to feel a little bit more normal. 
So I think there's a, a shift again now in terms of the kind of work. I, I have to say, I love, I love the Brewdog work because um, at the time they were, they were sort of protesting against government and, you know, complaining about how much revenue was going to be lost through the bars, this sort of thing. And then to flip that into the opportunity to make hand sanitizer. And I just think it showed one of the things I, I th I've certainly learned through this is the importance of generosity, humanity, um, you know, giving, you know, in this. And, that, and that's what I think the brands that have got it right have focused on that. And, and, the, and, and the other thing I noticed is how much Brewdog won the hand sanitizer war, if you can call it that. But <laughs> there must be... Yeah, there must be hundreds of companies doing something similar. But I have to say, what was the secret to that? Because you, you did, you and Brewdog nailed it. Yeah, it was fast again. So I think in a way there is a big first mover advantage thing. Um, and, you know, we've got somebody in the founder, James Watt, who will just go and make stuff happen. He can, he doesn't have to go through 10 layers of approval to do it. He just gets on with it. And also I think they got a bit of a clout thing to begin with. Um, because the very first loss of hand sanitizer they delivered wasn't a high enough proportion of alcohol. But they just went on at it. And, you know, within another couple of weeks, they had it right for the formulation that the government wanted and the NHS required. And so they just kept going. And I love that about him and them in that they just iterate and get on with it. And if they don't quite get it right first, they'll go again. And I think that plays out in all the comments that you saw online. Whenever someone sort of had, you know, had a go at them going about the, the, the alcohol percent, everyone was piling in going, well, at least they're doing something, they're acting, you know, they're, they're, they're making a difference. And I think that's a wonderful response in this crisis. Um, ITV, I loved, I, I loved what you did with ITV as well. And I, I thought it was so moving. I mean, I saw it when it aired, um, you know, after Clap for Carers a, a few Thursdays ago. And... Um, what really, I mean, it was well executed anyway. I love the authenticity of the videos. And, but I, I love the little pivot when suddenly it turned on, actually, we want you to start talking again. And I just thought that was a really lovely little twist in it that, that just kind of brought it home and, and, and made it relevant. So where did that idea come from? Was it, because was it, um, it was quite similar to what you did with Anton Deck, wasn't it? A few months beforehand yeah so we originally did the Anton Deck Britain Get Talking because we'd sort of spotted the issue of uh, you know mental health particularly amongst kids and families and I think when Carolyn McCall came in as CEO she was really keen that we did something um, that really showed that ITV was a part of British culture in a way that the streaming services could never be um, and so that that first kind of iteration with Anton Deck was our first kind of Britain Get Talking. And then, you know, we brought it back. Uh, gosh, it was, as I say, it was the weekend before lockdown. So it was the last, um, the last um, show that Anton Deck did in the studio uh, before oh, they it? stopped yeah. doing it. We yeah. got them to do a message to the public saying, you know, keep talking. We also kind of got them to say, send in your messages, tag us at ITV, Britain Get Talking, and we will play them out over the channel. So we played out about, you know, well, hundreds of messages from normal people. <laughs> and then we had celebs doing it. And then we did the clapback about two, three weeks after that. So it was one in a kind of number of ads. And I think what was interesting about it, because it got a lot of, we didn't pay for it, but it got researched uh, by both System One and Unruly, 
and came, I think, as the most emotionally engaging ad of all the kind of corona response ads. And my gut instinct is, in a way, that was because ITV were quite generous with it. They didn't try and shoehorn ITV in. They just let the public and the NHS do the talking. And so I think you're absolutely right about the generosity thing. No, it's superb. I think because it was, um, I know when I saw it, I'd just come in off the street having done the clap. So you're feeling emotional anyway. And then you see that it's just, the, I thought the timing, the context, the messaging, the fact that it was, you know, real people on the front line uh, talking back, it was brilliantly executed. I think that's a, a real, you're quite right. I mean, the score was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think 6 million people have uh, said they've taken action as a result of this phase of the campaign. So picked up the phone to Wonderful. somebody they wouldn't otherwise have done. Which is well, it's such an important message. And that, that's the other thing is, you know, sometimes you can feel like advertising is superfluous, but here, actually, it's, it's, it's serving a really important role for the nation. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it, you know, it pays back really well to ITV, because it just demonstrates what they can do that other people can't. So it's sort of, you know, sometimes I think people go off and do a worthy thing and it doesn't actually fit with the brand and what it's there for. But in ITV's case, those two are really beautifully intertwined. Wonderful. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Love it. So, I mean, as we're speaking now, we're, I think, week eight or so into, <laughs> <laughs> into <Yeah>. lockdown. <laughs> and um, bless him, Boris has just changed his message at the weekend, doesn't oh. he? Yes. And that's had that's had quite the uh, quite the response. What's uh, what's your take on it? Because I noticed Mark Ritson has uh, added you to his dirty dozen yeah. uh, proposal. Um, so tell me what you thought, and tell me what you'd do if you had a chance to uh, give Boris some advice. Well, I mean, the first thing I'd say is the policy wasn't clear, which then makes mm. the com communication <laughs> even harder. But I think it's you know you, it, it's kind of impossible to stay alert. And particularly difficult to stay alert if you haven't been tested and you know if there isn't any mm. contact tracing you, you don't know how to stay alert so i kind of go if they could fix some of those things that would have made it a lot easier but you got the sense there were two wings of the party one half going mm. just let it all go and the other half going no you've got to have it does something. feel like a compromise doesn't it yeah so it felt yeah. like it was stuck in the middle it wasn't clear enough he set out his framework and then ignored it because there weren't five stages, there were three and a half. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And then, I mean, I think what's interesting is, you know, that wasn't, none of that was good, but I still think they could have done a better job. I feel like the, the simplest thing would have still been to stay, say, stay apart, because that is the one thing we're all going to have to do for a really long time. And, you know, whether you're at work, you're still going to have to socially distance and be staying apart, whether you're on the tube, whatever you're doing, that's probably the one thing that is consistent. So I probably would have, yeah, that would have been my, my take on it for what it's worth. So have any of the other dozen contacted you? Have you, you haven't got any plans to? <laughs> A couple of them have said, I'm in if you are. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah. I'd, I'd love it it would be because because in some ways it's the worst brief in the world oh isn't it i know <laughs> i know i know it's just it would be wouldn't it but you kind of look at the you know the lack of thought that goes into it and the poor graphics and everything else and you just think oh surely you yeah. know we've i mean the other thing of course is i mean london really is the creative capital of the world isn't it and and you'd think it seems a missed opportunity that the government don't borrow 
uh, some of the talent that's right on its doorstep for, for this. Well, I think, I think they worked with Mullen Lowe for some of the beginning stuff, actually. So the stay home stuff, so, mm. which I think was actually way better to give them due credit. I think it was. Them. Yeah. Well, no one was arguing. I mean, you could argue against it philosophically, as in, you know, herd, herd immunity, whatever. But no one was arguing against it being clear or it was very clear. We all knew what we had to do. And there's a real sense of sort of to be a good citizen, I need to follow this and that sort of peer pressure about not, you know, so it, it was all clear. Whereas now we're in this sort of yes. muddy water <laughs> sort of thing, yeah. which I think is it's an absolute shambles. And I thought yeah. they were smart invoking the NHS, which is yes. you know, last yes. time around. That's national treasure. And that was the right way to come at it. hundred percent. I mean, that, that's the most powerful brand in Britain, really, isn't it? And, and the most emotive. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. I also noticed in, in, in sort of other news, you, you've been making candles and colouring in books. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Where did you find the time for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy, isn't it? I mean, look, we always set up with the intention that we wanted to make our own brands. Um, and so we kind of sat there and thought, well, we can't go through this and not, not be true to what we'd always said we were going to do. So, yeah, it was really clear we just had to do something. And actually, when you think about it, there are so many opportunities. And I think we're moving out of that phase of sort of lockdown and fear into a phase where we're all looking to be entertained and to have a bit more of a laugh. And we're thinking about the things we're missing. So, um, so yeah, one of the teams came back with that as an idea. Um, candles scented of the of the places you you would love to be so the pub the festival the cinema um and off we went and made them so and they all go to charity so that's great that is amazing you, you talked about the kind of change in mood um obviously with the, the lockdown even though it's been badly communicated but it, it does feel like a something of a watershed that we're now looking forward to some extent are you seeing that with your clients and what they're doing at the moment or are you, are you sensing any kind of shift in the in briefs or a little bit um i think we're just for example with icv we're about to finish the britain get talking piece of work we've been doing for the last sort of month and a half and i think all eyes will turn to well what next we'd originally had these plans you know let's revisit them and see which of them are still relevant and which of them aren't uh, and I think we're starting to see that as well, you know, being q obviously garden centres are starting to open up a little bit. Um, so I think they'll be back in the market soon. And some of our other retailers, yeah, definitely starting to think about Christmas, obviously. That's an interesting one for every brand. Yeah. What Christmas? I mean, it's got to be one of the most difficult Christmas briefs ever. <laughs> what, what would be your advice to your clients at the moment? If um, I mean, I know everyone's in a slightly different situation. Some people benefit, some people not. Um, but what, as because as obviously you've got the benefit of having lots of different clients. You see things, you know, from a different perspective. What would be your advice to clients right now um, in terms of what, what should they be doing to, um, you know, survive and hopefully then thrive in the, in the future? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've, it's been often said but i buy it that you should never let a good crisis go to waste um you know i think that is fundamentally quite important and the you know chinese have that old character that's supposed to be um you know opportunity and threat in crisis that that thing i think it's people love that because it's true for a reason we're always looking for the kind of opportunities 
And I sort of think there are quite a lot actually, because regardless of which category you're in, people are rethinking their behavior in a way that people never normally do. We're autopilot on almost all of our purchase decisions and suddenly we're rethinking things. And I think that provides a load of opportunities for brands um, because you know, whenever you're rethinking things, there's, a, there's, a, there's an opportunity there. Um, so I, I think that's sort of really important. One thing, what new routines, what new things, what new behaviors can you actually you know, find and, and serve? Then I think there's a second thing, of course, I think Benedict Evans calls it the forced experiment. This is like the biggest forced experiment. And, um, and he talks about that, the way that's going to drive digital. So, I mean, it already has, but I think most of that digital behavior will stick in a way that lots of the other behavior won't. So, you know, it is just massively, we're advising everyone, how can they make the most of that, adapt their offering, all of that sort of stuff. And then I guess, you know, the third thing is keep spending if you can. Um, there's all the advice about um, how those brands that spend through a recession come out of it faster and stronger. And TV is, I think this in May and June, it will be 30 to 40% cheaper than normal. So if you can afford to spend, do it. Yeah, I, I'm hearing some crazy deals. And, and you've got eyeballs, that's the thing, you've got a captive audience, the best medium to you know show off your brand on and, and probably cheaper cost per view than there's been in a than lifetime, ever. I'd have thought. But probably than ever. And then the, the fifth thing, I, I come back to what you said. I think um, generosity is the last and most important thing. There's all that stuff about trust and generosity, sort of self-orientation or, or orientation around the customer is the biggest determinant of trust. And I think anything you can do to be generous. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the biggest traps for, you know, for sort of CMOs, marketing directors at the moment is they'll be under so much pressure to do short-term activation you know, ring every last pound out of the consumer right now. But that just isn't right. I mean, you, you want to be doing the opposite. You want to be doing the brand building, the generosity, showing, taking action, you know, the humanity, you know, kind of angle. And, and you know, I think it's, you know, I, I hope as marketeers, we can kind of hold the line on that and not give in to the, you know, half price discount, buy it at the weekends type advertising that, you can imagine lots of people being forced to do at the moment, can't you? Yeah, and uh, we're not saying don't do some of that, but <laughs> make sure you're doing the other stuff as well. I mean, it's, I think that's the thing people tend to think it's a choice. It's one or the other. And I think you can do a little bit less of that DM, direct response, performance marketing, bit of halo, brand generosity, and that makes that all work so much harder too. So I sort of think it's a bit of a false dichotomy, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, isn't it? And and the, I mean, I think that's what you're referring to earlier as well. With you know be, media being cheap, the other thing, of course, is competitors are disrupted at the moment. So it, it, the brave at the moment who choose to invest um, can steal a real march, and and some of the underdogs as well can kind of catch some of the you know dominant players napping at the moment while they're busy sorting their internal infrastructure out and cutting their overheads and, you know, slowly moving to the market, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're a challenger brand, I don't think there's ever been a better time actually. Um, particularly, you know, if you're a digital first challenger brand, you know, wow, 
joy. Yeah. Dream time. I mean, there's lots of stories, aren't there, of brands that have been invented in recessions and, and how they then, you know, perform. Because if you can su- succeed in a recession, your opportunity afterwards is going to be fabulous. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I haven't seen any yet, um, but I can't imagine they're going to be that far, far away. We're already trying to cook up a proper, couple of proper sort of ventures rather than sort of things like the candles, which were more a kind of charitable one-off. But yeah, well, that's very exciting. I mean, that's that's a lovely tease, maybe to wrap this up. Actually, <laughs> my mind is already racing as to as to what would the uncommon new venture look like. Um, so, well, that would give me an excuse to come back and talk to you again, then, won't we? We we'll have to do. How did uh, yeah? How how the recession uh, projected you to new ventures, new venture stardom? Brilliant, Lucy. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time, Pleasure. and uh, look forward to talking again. That's great, thank you.